Yeah, I mean, my uh, internet here it just shows me two. You know, I'm not. I'm not fully. I'm. I'm not at a full six inches here. <laughs> uh, all right, whatever. It's uh, it's good enough. We'll uh, battle through whatever hotel Wi-Fi deficiencies we may be uh, dealing with. Speaking of hotels, let me let me let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. I love hotels. Do you love hotels? <laughs> well, I know you've stated your love for hotels before when we were discussing the Las Vegas hotel rooms that had uh, vomit and worse oh, right, right, in them, right. and, right. and you said That's any right. hotel works for That's you. Right. But uh, any uh, particular standouts about your current hotel in uh, in New Jersey? No, there's no standout. It's 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 a former Embassy Suites, now Harmony Suites. I guess you know, like private equity probably bought or something. I have no idea. But I don't know. I've had two croissant, 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 croissant. <laughs> Uh, I had two cups of coffee. I've been it, 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 I've been padding down to the uh, you know the free breakfast buffet barefoot. I don't even care. Mm. I like, when I'm at a hotel, I feel like I'm home. I'm not sure that the other guests there uh, like you feeling that way. That the bare the bare feet could be a turnoff for some people. <laughs> well, I mean, all I got is shoes. I got like you know like high you know like like boots. So I'm gonna put, put boots on with my sweatpants. Uh, come on, I'd rather just go barefoot. And uh, you know, I, I've been I, I like I just like staying in a hotel. I love I love the idea. I mean, I'm not here for two. I'm only here for one night, so I don't even get to the benefit of it. But I love the idea of making a mess and somebody cleaning it up for you, and that person not being my wife who yells at me for making a mess in the first place. Right. So basically, you like the idea of living life as though you're a child. Yeah. Also, but same. But Dylan McKay lived in a hotel in Beverly Hills Island Two Remember that? Remember when he was living in a hotel for a while? <laughs> Can't say I remember that plot line distinctly, but uh... yeah, McKay lived in a hotel, and famous people like at the Chateau Marmont. A lot of French this morning. There, you know, pe- you know, people out, out there in, in in Hollywood, La La Land, like they like they like living in hotels. John Belushi was living in a hotel when he died. I mean, this is mm-hmm. this is living, man. I mean, uh... I don't want to die in a Harmony Suites, just to be clear, but. <laughs> right. So with a Chateau Marmont, is that would that be pluralized without an S the same way you did croissant? I don't have no idea. I, I took five years of Spanish. Can't say ten words. Can there be multiple Chateau Marmont? I guess is the question. I guess. Well. And I know this is French, not Spanish, but I'm not good with foreign languages apparently. All right, but you're good with uh, you're good with English, and that's uh, well, you're you're ex- you're passable with English, and that's what me like. good at English. <laughs> yes, indeed. All right. How about this for our first ever uh, casual organic cold open? Although I guess it's uh, it doesn't. I, I ruined the casual organicness of uh, by acknowledging that it's uh, a casual organic uh, cold open. But I I think we nailed it, Jeff. I yeah, Schrodinger's cat at it. You know what I mean? You don't like it. I could tell. I could tell by your tenor. I'll get I'll, I'll get used to it. <laughs> And this has been the first ever Gamble On Cold Open. <laughs> it sure has. Shall we hand it over to Phil Helmuth? Please. All right. Take it away, Phil. Gamble On, fellas. Gamble <laughs> On. Welcome again to Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, US Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, 
And I'm joined by my co-host, U.S. Bet Senior Analyst Jeff Edelstein. This week on the show, we're talking about the fifth anniversary of the Supreme Court overturning PASPA. We're examining college sports betting scandals, as well as non-scandals getting headlines as if they're scandals. We'll make some bankroll bets, including a boxing bet from me, where I think the sports books have the wrong fighter favored, and some bet from Jeff, where I'm assuming he caveats it by noting that it's not NFL season yet, so don't hold his bet against him. And we'll talk about the SBC conference in North Jersey, where for the first time in a couple of years, Jeff and I saw each other in person. Uh, it was nice seeing you. Uh, also, today we'll be welcoming 2003 World Series of Poker champ Chris Moneymaker to the podcast, who, despite being like a superstar, is just like us mm-hmm. uh, in the fact that he's got seven dogs, three kids, <laughs> one of which he sent off to school or he was talking poker with us. Yeah. Uh, the guy is clearly he's a multitasker. Um, but before we get to that, as always, Eric, there is plenty of news to discuss. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. Our lead news story this week builds on our lead news story from last week, which, uh, in case you didn't watch the previously on Gamble On clip to refresh your memory, was about suspicious betting activity surrounding an Alabama baseball game. At the time we recorded a week ago, we knew few details. Now we know a lot more. Crimson Tide coach Brad Bohannon was fired, and surveillance footage reportedly shows the person who bet against Alabama in communication with Bohannon. The severity of what Bohannon may have done is uncertain. It's possible he used inside information about his pitcher's health to get a wagering advantage, or far worse, it's possible he manipulated his pitcher's availability, essentially fixing a game. Either way, it's a major college betting scandal and uh, one that was detected thanks to sports gambling regulation. On Monday, two other colleges found their way into the news for reasons related to sports betting, I wouldn't call these scandals, but I guess I can support the use of the word controversies, which is how our Sports Handle headline framed it. It seems 26 student-athletes at the University of Iowa and 15 more at Iowa State are accused of violating NCAA gambling policies simply by betting on sports. Not necessarily their own sports, just sports, period, which the NCAA prohibits for student-athletes. Jeff, I know you have opinions about this policy, so let her rip uh, and hit me also with any updated thoughts on the Alabama mess. Yeah, I'm mean, at the risk of cannibalizing a piece I'm working on for next week, but I'm pretty sure you can't plagiarize yourself. I mean, so um, you know, so we'll let it go. Uh, you know, let's say this: this this is about the dumbest rule going in the sports betting world. This you know, NCAA athletes can't bet on anything ever, um, and there's a lot of dumb rules out there. But this this is the worst, I think. And you know, the, the biggest reason I say that is not it's you know it's it's not just some like off the remark here uh NCAA last year sent out a uh what do you call an anonymous survey to Mm -hmm. its student athletes and they found that one in four male athletes and one in 20 female athletes are betting on Mm -hmm. on sports or anything and not you know not necessarily with legal online sports but they're they've placed in the last year so I mean this is like not a good rule, right? I mean, it's a bad rule because, you know, to me, whenever there's a rule that's being broken routinely by people, it indicates to me that the people breaking the rule aren't the problem, that the problem is with the rule itself, you know? Um, I used to have this feeling when it came to, like, marijuana, you know, when, like, in New Jersey, before marijuana got legalized, like, one in 250 New Jersey residents each year were arrested for possession. Like, mm. I, it seems to me that's a bad that's a bad rule when right. so many people... You know, and so the, the same principle applies here. It's a bad. So many people are doing it, 
it's time we that we have to like update the rules about it as opposed to like really if if according to the the self-reporting survey basically every one in four college male college athletes are betting on sports which means like there's a there's college athletes on every team in America yeah. betting on sports i mean it's it's ridiculous and the worst part about this thing that's going on in Iowa right now the mainstream media is treating this as you know as we're saying as a quote sports betting scandal and not a quote stupid rule scandal right and i'm sure there's politicians getting all worked up over it i can only imagine what politicians in iowa are saying about this um you know and as for the alabama thing well that's a that's a sports betting scandal you know and i'm glad the guy got caught uh hopefully there's a lesson here for other people who may be like thinking about doing the same thing in this new world of online sports betting but that's a scandal that and that deserves you know all, all the negative press that goes along with it despite the fact that yes you know the system worked and we caught the guy but as far as the other thing man it is a bad 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 rule yeah, I, I agree with you. And, you know, I mean, you're the one who likes to compare sports betting to other light vices at times and ask, you know, why are you opposing advertising on sports betting, but not advertising on beer or fast food or, or whatever? Sure. I would I would say that betting versus drinking comparison works perfectly here. Like the NCAA says, if you're of legal age to bet, but you play varsity sports, you can't bet on anything, period. We're taking away one of your legal rights because you're a student athlete. So imagine if the NCAA said, new rule, student athletes aren't allowed to drink alcohol, even if they're over 21. It would be crazy, right? right. Uh, you know, that, now, if, if, right. The, if the coach wants to set rules for his team, fine. You know, if there's a rule on the football team that in season, if I find out you're having a drink, you're suspended. Okay, that's up to the coach. He can do that, I guess. And, uh, you know, so similarly, if the coach says you want to play on this team while we're in season, you're not allowed to gamble, period. I would say that's a dumb rule, but okay, it's it's up to the coach to make that rule and, and the players to decide if they'd rather quit the team or, or stop making bets. Um, but, you know, for the NCAA to say you... Uh, Stetson Bennett, quarterback of Georgia, who's 25 years old and, and should be allowed to, to do what he wants. You cannot bet 10 bucks on Saturday's MMA fight. Uh, you can't join an NFL fantasy league with your friends for money. It's, it's just insane that they made this rule and that they think they have the authority to control basic freedoms like this. It's, it is, I'm with you 100% that it is just nonsensical. It's, it's, it's a bad rule and as far as I'm concerned, nobody at Iowa or Iowa State did anything remotely objectionable, unless we find out they bet on their own sport. Then it then it crosses a line, right, perhaps. Right, right. Um, as for the Alabama coach, uh, Bohannon, you may recall, Jeff, that, that last week I, I speculated about, like, how did this set off those alarm bells unless the person betting was, like, on the phone with the coach and the sportsbook teller overheard him or something? And, and I'm not sure it went down exactly in that way, but it, it is... Seems seems that's part of what happened was that he was actually in communication with the coach while in the sports book. And that's part of why he got busted uh, in some combination with the bet being large and setting off some alarm bells that nobody should be betting large amounts on a random college baseball game. But, um, you know, there, there's certainly a huge gulf in severity between manipulating the pitcher's status and simply knowing about the pitcher's injury before anyone else. Um so I'm, I'm not sure which this actually is. Either way, it's absolutely a fireable offense. But the if, if it's just inside information that he was using, I would say that angle doesn't feel potentially criminal 
to me, at least. Whereas right, right. the other the other one feels like a, a full on form of match fixing. Right. Well, either way, you know, the comparison between Alabama and Iowa, like, is right. being, is false comparison. You know, again, going back to, I hate, I just hate saying mainstream media. I know I sound like Trump. I, I, that's not what I mean, though. It's just, you know, people, you know, they're looking at these things, you know, like through an equal lens. And like one, really, like one, you know, is like the equivalent of like, you know, aggravated assault. And the other is like jaywalking. Yeah, that's, uh, <laughs> that is pretty much what the, what the gulf in these is like. Um, so, yeah, uh, I think you can complain about the mainstream media as long as you don't call them the lamestream media. That's that's when okay. that's when I lose respect for you. Fair. Okay. I heard there's very good people who work in the mainstream media. Very good people. <laughs> people tell me these good people. That's what people are telling you. People, people are telling me this. Yeah. Very right. good people. <laughs> okay. The best people. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I can uh, take this phrasing and wording, even even coming out of your voice. It's uh, giving me the willies. <laughs> <laughs> can't, believe, can't believe I just said giving me the willies uh, on a recording, but uh, here we are. Um, all right, let, let, let's move on to our second story. Uh, as we record this on Thursday, May 11th, we are three days away from both Mother's Day and the fifth anniversary of the Supreme Court overturning PASPA and basically creating full-time jobs in this industry for the two of us. Um, happy early Mother's Day, by the way, to all the moms out there. I, I presume moms make up possibly as much as like 2% of the Gambalon audience. Uh, anyway, in honor of the fifth anniversary of the PASPA ruling, the American Gaming Association did some polling, as it is wont to do. And the headline number was that 85% of Americans say the Supreme Court was right to rule the way it did, which could be interpreted as 85% of Americans support legal regulated sports betting, or at least support the right of states to consider legalizing and regulating it. Uh, other notable takeaways from the AGA's research, whereas in 2019, only 44% of online wagers placed in the U.S. were through regulated channels. Now that number is 77%. Uh, and there is still a long way to go on education about legal betting, as 29% of those polled were unsure about the legality of sports betting in their state. And 70% of those using offshore books think the sports books they're using are legal. Uh, Jeff, your response to these numbers uh, and any reflections on May 14th, 2018, five years later? You know, I don't know what the reflex is inside of me, but I always raise an eyebrow at these AGA numbers. I, I, right off the bat, I don't buy this 70% of offshore better thing, but they're doing is legal. That's horseshit. That's that's ridiculous. <laughs> okay. uh, I don't know. The other, they just, they, how is that possible? That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem possible. I would have, maybe I would have believed it 10 years ago. I don't believe it today. Okay. Uh, the other numbers, okay, they, they seem reasonable and uh all right uh, aj likes doing their polls uh you know and as for the the anniversary five years five years on i was at monmouth park in new jersey uh when governor phil murphy placed his first legal wager you know okay. kicking off of the post past years uh covered for the trentonian and and my first legal wager was on a two-team canadian football league parlay which is pretty much on brand for me I uh, so. although i did win it I did win it, so not necessarily on brand. And you know, look, look at it, look at this. Five years later, Murphy's still governor of New Jersey. I'm still betting parlays, and now, as you mentioned, I, I pretty much get paid to bet on parlays. So you know, okay, what a world. So you think the seventy percent number is inflated by the fact that people don't want to admit that what they do, they're doing is illegal? Not that, not that I don't the, know. Not that the AGA is necessarily uh faking any of the numbers but 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 I, I think it would make sense logically that somebody knows oh yeah this site i use i know this isn't legal but i don't want to i don't want to admit that i know i'm doing something illegal so i'll claim ignorance 
I don't know. All I know is the AGA, you know, they, they, they their main like issue always has like, oh, you know, legalized sports betting. Well, you know, we need to get rid of the uh, the offshore. So I think, you know, maybe the phrasing of that question was a little fugazi. I, I don't know. There's no way that somebody who's betting with an, an offshore site doesn't know that what they're doing isn't like kosher. You know, so I, 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 just, I don't buy it. All right. I, I wouldn't say there's no way. I think that I, I don't want to name any of the sites because we're not supposed to name them. But there are there are some that I feel like I do occasionally hear people say that like that people who are obviously outside our industry and not like super serious sports bettors or uh, this was true true of like online poker sites also that they they think they're kind of in a gray area or don't know that this one's legal and this one's not. I, I think a there's some. Yeah, I, fine, but. I think there's some of that confusion, but but the, as you as the more I think about it, you're right. There's no chance seventy percent is the is the number of people who uh, who think that it's uh, that what they're doing is is, is with a legal book. Um, the the number that stood out to me is that uh, you know that that seventy seven percent of wagering being done through regulated channels online these days, uh, you know at a time when only about 50% of the country has regulated wagering. So I, I would take that number as a win. It, it tells me that when the big states legalize, California, Texas particularly, if there comes a time when 90% of the country has legal wagering, then at that time probably like 95% or more of all betting will be happening legally. Um, you know, the offshore's only customers should be the people in states that haven't legalized and the betters who've gotten limited into oblivion by the regulated books, uh, which, you know, certainly remains a serious problem that the regulators need to start taking seriously if they want us to believe that they really care about eliminating offshore activity. Those those are the two excuses for betting off sto- offshore instead of with regulated books. Either it's not regulated in your state, so if you want to bet, you have to do it offshore, or the regulated books are making it impossible for you. Yeah. I, that's a fair point. Um, I could share my reflections on the Supreme Court ruling five years later. I could, um, but they're not that interesting, especially compared to <laughs> the collected reflections in our colleague Brett Smiley's oral history that just posted Thursday morning on Sports Handle. Uh, it's almost 10,000 words. Uh, he talked to like 20 people, and collectively, they tell the story and uh, much better than I could. And uh, I... I don't want to spoil much of it for people who haven't read it yet, uh, but I will single out one thing. I had forgotten until reading this which sports books were supposed to dominate this space when PASPA was first overturned. Um, hmm. A few people noted this in the oral history. Not just that nobody saw the dominance of FanDuel and DraftKings coming, but that the dominant players originally were supposed to be William Hill, Bet365, 888, you know, those books that were the top dogs in Europe, and really none of them made a dent. The William Hill name was eventually ditched in the U.S. Bet365 has has started coming on a bit of late. They're doing well in Ohio, I believe. But uh, yeah, th- that stood out to me in the oral history, sort of a memory from five years ago that I knew at the time, but that I, I hadn't retained. Uh, but anyway, it's it's a must read. Again, it's on Sports Handle. So uh, set aside some time, uh, grab a latte, kick back, enjoy Brett's oral history. He might, yeah, you might even grab your latte at a Harmony Suites somewhere. <laughs> are you are you on the Harmony Suites payroll? 
I will be after today, I hope. <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, not if they find out you're walking around barefoot in the public spaces. <laughs> um, our third and final story this week is about uh, an industry conference that we both attended and that we, uh, the reason that uh, Jeff has been spending some time at a Harmony Street, at Harmony Streets, uh, or Harmony Suites, either way. You, uh, you've been at this uh conference much more than I have. Uh, You're still attending it uh, more today, whereas I am not. But anyway, the SBC Summit North America is happening this week at the Meadowlands Expo Center in North Jersey. Booths, panels, people in sports coats, free booths, etc. I popped in Wednesday mostly for socializing and networking purposes. You've also been socializing and networking, Jeff. But on top of that, you're checking out panels and writing articles. So I'll pass it over to you. Uh, what have you seen of note at the SBC Summit so far? Sneakers uh, with business suits. That's yes, the big, that's a lot the big of that. takeaway. Yeah, that's that's my that's my big takeaway. Do you want more? <laughs> no, I mean we could we could probably do a good solid ten minutes on that. You know, I've been on on the bar and bat mitzvah circuit the last few years, uh, attending right. attending many of them, and uh, yes, this has been a major trend. A lot of dudes mixing uh, full on. Full-on synagogue-ready suits with uh, sort of slightly fancy, classy sneakers. Synagogue-ready. That's a great, great, great line. Great phrasing. By the way, you you know what's become the new yarmulke in the pocket? Like, holy shit, there's a yarmulke in my pocket. (laughs) Okay, what? A mask? Uh, COVID mask, right? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That is the new yarmulke in the pocket. Someone, I'm surprised at the height of the pandemic, someone didn't invent like a yarmulke mask double works yeah. works as either kind oh of uh, invention. If I had a time travel device, <laughs> could have been rich. Could have no, rich is strong, but you know, could have been less could poor. Been, could have been less poor, but yeah. Anyway, this the, yeah this conference. Uh, besides the sneakers and business suits, um, I don't know. The one panel that really did jump out at me. I, I was I just wrote about it on U.S. Bets. Uh, it's about the future online casino and it featured you know, a trio of heavy hitters, uh, Christian, I'm like, pronouncing it right, Janetsky, or yeah, we'll go with Janetsky, the sure. president of FanDuel, uh, Adam Greenblatt, the CEO of MGM, and Richard, Schw- Richard Schwartz, the CEO of Rush Street. And uh, boy, howdy, are these guys excited for more states to join the iCasino party. Hmm. Uh, Schwartz, he had some numbers that he was giving out. Uh in states where there is both sports betting and casino, uh, the Bet River Sugar House brand, 75% of their money, their profit is coming from casino. Uh, he said a casino player is worth 5.3 times more than a sports better. Wow. Um, should states start legalizing this, like in a big way? I mean, it's going to make the sports betting gold rush look pretty tame in comparison. Like, there is a lot of money in online casino, like a lot more than in sports betting. And, and these companies, um, I think that, you know, the, the, if you thought the fight for sports betting market share was, you know, something, wait till we see the fight for, you know, online casino market share. And, uh, you know, it, it's really, it, it's, it's going to be something to watch, assuming that states start getting on board with it. Um, the other thing, there's just, you know, it really, it's kind of cool, you know, for people in this industry, you know, it's been a variable who's who of the gambling world's been here. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like like yesterday, I was first some like real legit legends like Jimmy Vaccaro, Chris Andrews. Like these guys are just hanging around, you know. Right. And you know this, you know that's the equivalent of like you know, you know name name the hobby, the sport, the you know the business. You know these are the biggest names in, in the in the business, just like hobnobbing, you know, down you know outside of, outside of a Harmony Suites in Secaucus, New Jersey. <laughs> um, but all in all, as you also did mention, this is an industry conference, so you know. 
a little tedious around the margins, but, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, you know, I get to stay in a hotel, which I love doing. So, so, <laughs> so I've heard. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so from from reading the articles that we've posted, what I've learned is that uh, iCasino is the future, um, but also micro betting is the future uh, mm-hmm. and also responsible gambling initiatives. They are also the future. Uh, yeah, yeah. Everything is the future. I'm not sure what's happening in the present, but uh, we're very focused on what the next big wave is going to be. It seems to be the takeaway from any conference panel. Well, I, you know, it kind of makes sense. And I think it speaks a little bit right now to just the absolute dominance really of DraftKings and FanDuel on the sports betting side, right? Mm-hmm. Like if you're, if you're, you know, third place bet MGM or fourth place Caesars or fifth place Barstool or whatever, you know, you're looking at, at or and anyone below that, you're looking at the, at the marketplace. like, all right, well, this is kind of shaking out for now. Like, you know, what's next here? Right. You know, like, and bet, bet MGM, I think, you know, has a, has a great inside track to dominate casino. Like they, they have just yes. like walloped in Michigan. Right. Um, and so, like, I think, you know, they're, they're looking good. I know Caesars, I read somewhere, heard somewhere, I, I it's mixing in my head, that they're going to be launching, like, a, uh, they're going to be updating their casino uh, stuff going forward. And then, you know, so I think I think that's part of the reason why we're starting to hear about it. And the other big thing I've been hearing about, and I think I'm going to, like, try to work a story together, is, like, that the next big, and this go, goes a little bit towards, like, casino, but also, like, the next big thing is, like, trying to lure in, like, more casual people into those gambling world you know people like who still are a little bit intimidated by what minus 130 means you know what i mean right right yeah i feel like that's uh that that's been sort of like a simmering objective uh from the start is uh how do we how do we i you're i'm just you're just reminding me now of like when i went on the DraftKings app I drove across the border into New Jersey to get onto the app like the day that that we had heard it it had launched and we wanted to write a little something about it. This was in the late summer 2018. And on like the home screen of their app, you weren't greeted with like the numbers of the minus 130 plus 110, whatever it was. It was like, who will win the game? Uh, Royals. Mets or whatever and like you just like click there and then it took you to like they were trying to lure you in with like the most basic Mm. question uh initially was their approach to the app I wish I could remember some of the some of the phrasing but it was it was very like if you know nothing about sports betting whatsoever uh you can you can have a look at this and and potentially and and understand uh what what your options are, even if uh, maybe the once you get to the next screen and see the numbers and the math behind it, they won't mean anything to you. But um, that was that was how they approached it at first. But so I guess that remains a, a lingering concern of, yeah, how do we open this up to more people and make it more uh, accessible to everyone? Um, I, I have attended uh, zero panels, and uh, I'm not sure why I put that in the have attended tense because I'm now back home, so I will not be attending. <laughs> um, but uh, but I did bump into some people. It was it was nice to see uh, you know both coworkers of course uh, and industry friends who I only see at these sorts of things. Um, got to chat briefly with uh, several Gamble On guests. Um, I met Alex Kane from Sport Trade in person for the first time, and uh, if you're listening, Alex. I knew exactly who you were, but I blanked on your name for just a second, so I fumbled my way through the hello sort of exchange while trying to think of your name. But I did know who you were, in case you were sensing that I uh, was was BSing a bit there. Um, I had a, a nice chat with Richard Schuitz, uh, who is now writing columns for us, uh, by the way. Uh, I recommend everyone start reading those. Uh, and of course, Captain Jack, Gamble On superfan, 
Always great to see him. Uh, and alongside him, I met Matt Snyder from Unabated uh, and uh, bumped into an old friend of mine that I worked with on and off for like a decade back uh, in the All In Magazine days who I hadn't seen in like seven or eight years. Um, I typically try not to leave my house and interact with humans much, but I've, I will acknowledge that done occasionally in short doses, it can be fun to socialize. Yeah. <laughs> um, and and just it. Yes. <laughs> and, then, and then a bunch of us went out to dinner and uh, you and I went down the rabbit hole of trying to figure out how to boil down the Use Your Illusion albums into a single spectacular, no filler, 75 minute or under uh, CD. And uh, it's tough. You have, you have to make some hard cuts. It may be it may actually be it's impossible. impossible. <laughs> it's, it's not tough. It's impossible. I mean, well, it's we're... possible if you're willing to decide you know these are the best 75 minutes but you're you're leaving things on the cutting room floor that you would like to have on the album is the bottom line proof of god is going to happen sooner than being me being able to cut the use your illusions albums down to 75 minutes <laughs> all right well i've still found the exercise uh the thought exercise part of it uh interesting so more probably more interesting than your average conference panel <laughs> It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. Is everybody out there ready to feel old? This month marks 20 years since Chris Moneymaker won the World Series of Poker main event, propelling what became known as the Poker Boom. Poker's exponential growth eventually slowed down, but the game is still going strong in 2023, as is the man who joins us now on the podcast, one of poker's great ambassadors, Chris Moneymaker himself. Chris, welcome to Gamble On. Well, now I feel really old, Eric. Thanks for the introduction. <laughs> Good Lord. You didn't, you didn't have to start with that this morning. <laughs> Sorry, what can I tell you? I, I believe you and I are like the exact same age. So however old you feel, I feel equally old. And Jeff here is even a couple years older than us, so. Yeah, Jeff looks older. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, as regular listeners to the podcast know, because I plug it annoyingly frequently, I wrote a book some 10 years ago about that 2003 main event called The Moneymaker Effect. So I've interviewed you extensively about this and asked you just about every question I could. But maybe your perspective has changed a little in the last 10 years. So when you look back now, when you think of that week in Vegas in 2003, what are the first one or two memories that flash through your mind? Uh, really, it's my, you know, hugging my dad at the end and high-fiving my friend Bruce. Um, you know, the just having the friends out there with me, experiencing it with me. Um, you know, obviously, pulling the big bluff, the, the final card hitting. Uh, you know, those are the moments that kind of stay with you. So, so it's more, it's more about the, the people and the emotions than the actual poker hands. Yeah, I mean, honestly, like when I spoke to you back then, I could almost remember like almost all the hands. It was kind of crazy. As I guess I've gotten older, as you pointed out a few minutes ago, um, <laughs> I started to forget some of the lesser important hands. I remember it's still the you know the the key ones, but um, I definitely remember more of the you know going to breakfast with my dad and friend every morning before getting the. Uh, piece of paper that listed the chip counts at the end of the night at 4 a.m. You know, I'd stay up every night, you know, waiting to get that so I could go ask Dan Goldman, who was the uh, more insider on poker at the time. Uh, he was the director of, of Poker Stars. So he was so kind of guiding me on, like, who was good and who he didn't know. 
So I would always take my table stuff there. So I, that's the kind of stuff I remember. And, and and just one more thing about sort of the memories of it all. When you see it in your mind's eye, when you're the poker hand specifically, do you see them as they happen from your seat at the table or do you sort of see them as they're shown on the ESPN broadcast kind of when you remember things at this point? No, I definitely see them from my, my own eyesight. Because I, I remember, you know, that that week was probably obviously the most important one of the most important weeks of my life. And uh, I was really tuned in um, that week, more, more of my poker career than I ever have since, unfortunately. <laughs> um, w- once you win that, uh, you know, it gets a little bit easier to not focus as hard. Here's, here's a question from, uh, this is courtesy of the American Association of Retired People, of which I'm a card-carrying member. Uh, <laughs> no, so, you know, listen, we know what happened before, you know, regular guy, you know, you know, gets into the tournament. We know what happened after, you know, the Moneymaker Effect, which is a, a book, I'm told, available at fine bookstores and some of some, some flea markets, I'm sure. Are but, they still uh, in bookstores? <laughs> if bookstores exist, uh, yeah, you sorry. may be able to find it. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, go but, ahead. But what I'm curious to know is what, tell me about the in-between, like, in between you winning and it exploding because of ESPN, like what was going on in that time period? Like, did you have any inkling of like how crazy things were about to get for you? No, I had no idea. I went back to work. I, I was, uh, I showed back up. We got done Saturday night and I got on a plane at 4 a.m. Sunday morning. Uh, we had a party at my, where I worked Sunday uh, when I got home. And then I was back at work eight o'clock Monday morning. <laughs> um <laughs> And I worked for eight months until uh, February of 04 when I uh, got second in WPT. My, the next tournament I played, I got second in. And uh, the, my boss came into my office and basically told me after that one, he said, if you don't quit, I'm going to fire you. You, have, uh, <laughs> you know, at the time I was making about 40K a year, which, you know, I could go do appearances for a weekend and make half that. So, you know, it really didn't make a whole lot of sense to to be working. I just like the routine of getting up in the morning. Now this is going to, you guys might remember this, but most people listening to this won't reading the newspaper. Um, <laughs> and I don't think that's, they, I don't even know if they make newspapers anymore. But, uh, they, Jeff, Jeff used to work at one, but uh, he, now he works on the internet. So I think that tells you a little about that. <laughs> there you go. Well, yeah. So I, I like getting the uh, USA Today, Wall Street Journal, and like actually knowing what's going on in the world, and um, I didn't want to lose that back twenty years ago. I think it's best to not know what's going on in the world at this point. I think uh, it was a different world back then. That, now sure you have social media, you, you know what's going on every freaking second of the day. Yeah. Sometimes, yeah, like you said, you don't want to know sometimes. No kidding. <laughs> um, so this year's WSOP starts uh, at, at the end of the month. Um, What's your playing schedule going to be like this year? Like, how long will you be in Vegas? How many tournaments? Are there any besides the main event that are a huge priority for you to play? Yeah, I think I'm going to play two, maybe three tournaments this year. Um, You know, that's one thing that, you know, I guess people that don't follow me too much, I I don't really play much of the the World Series. Um, I've got three kids. I've got, uh, you know, they're getting older now, but my youngest is still 11, so... Um, during the summer when they're out of school, it's really difficult to say, Hey, dad's going to Vegas for the month or two months and, you know, see you later. Right. Uh, when they're in school and they're, you know, busy, it's easier for me to travel. So I usually do my traveling in the fall and the winter springtime. Summertime is usually meant for the, the lake and going on the boat and going to the pool and all that stuff with the kids. So I generally don't play a whole lot during the summer. Uh, this year I plan on playing the, 
uh, Poker Players Championship. Uh, and then like three days later, there's a 10K PLO. Have a good day at school, girl. Um, <laughs> and then uh, I'll play the main event. I'll come. I'll go home and come back for the main event. Okay. Is is the main event still special or when you've played it 20 times and, and you've played thousands of other tournaments, is it kind of just another tournament? No, it's never just another tournament. It's still the main event. I mean, I don't think any professional poker player looks at that tournament and say, ah, oh, it's just another 10K. I mean, it's still, you know, special. And you feel, I personally, I feel blessed to be able to play it every year. And it's something that, you know, when you sit down to play it, you still get goosebumps. You still, um, you know, want to play well. Um, it was really frustrating for what I think it was like 15 years. I didn't cash the dang thing again. Mm-hmm. And it was so frustrating. Um, I think I've cashed the last four out of five or something, but uh, for 15 years, I didn't cash. And I was, it was irritating. I mean, I, people are always taking shots at me. I just couldn't get my hands to hold up, whatever it was. Um, but yeah, it was, it was definitely uh, frustrating for, for quite a while. They're not, not getting another cash. Has that the people taking shots at you, sort of thing the fact that they would play you differently want to be the guy who eliminates moneymaker or whatever has that subsided and and that's part of why you've had better luck the last five years or better results i should say i mean that probably has a little bit to do with it i mean people don't take near as many shots as they used to um you know players playing now weren't even born when when i won so um, <laughs> you know some people that... may not even recognize me or uh you know or they're they were so young they don't really care that much um so I, it definitely does play a little bit of a role. You know, I still get people trying to, you know, take shots at me and, and beat me. And in, in cash games, that's fantastic. You know, you want that in cash games. But in tournaments, you want to win a lot of hands with no showdown. You know, you get a lot of your value and and getting bluffs through and, you know, getting hands won without showdown value. So in tournaments, it's actually not good for people to be coming at you. Um, but yeah, it's definitely slowed down a lot over the last say five to six years. Um, you know, I, I definitely, you know, I used to be able to recognize people getting crazy eyes, wanting to come at me and, and, you know, just wanted to have a story. Uh, you know, people still like, yeah, I've been, I'm in a pot. Now I've got a story. I'm like, good. We got it out of the way. We don't have to do that anymore. So, <laughs> um, but people give themselves away a little bit when they say that kind of stuff. Cause I know they're still trying to crack me. So if money is no object and let's say you had like, you know, they said, all right, Chris, one more week into poker, and then you got to hang up your, 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 you know, your spurs and your cards. You can't play anymore. Would you rather do it in the company of the pros you know, in, in that style of setting, you know, going toe to toe with the best in the world? Or would you rather, you know, be in your buddy Jimmy's basement with a few beers and just having a few laughs and playing poker? Well, that's a tough one. Um, I mean, I guess um, if, if money's no object and I only have one weekend to play, I'd rather play with my friends. I don't want to go play with a bunch of strangers. I don't, I mean, I play poker to, to have fun. So, um, you know, for 20 years, I, I didn't play many 10 Ks. And I mean, mo- the majority of tournaments I played are, are smaller buy-ins, 1500s, you know, um, I did that one because my sponsor wanted me to, two, what i enjoyed i mean i i didn't want the stress of having to go play 10ks and 25ks and when you sit there in those events i mean it's not that way as much anymore but for 10 15 years people would put headphones on and then not talk to you at all right and you would sit there for 12 hours and it would be just boring as all get out (laughs) so um you know i 
when you go play a $400 or $500 event, everybody's having fun. You know, most people are either drinking or, you know, at least engaging at the table. So I always enjoyed that more the social aspect of the game. Do you still do you still play just like, you know, with your old friends, like hanging around like on a Tuesday night? No, we don't really. We, we played for about another 10 years. Uh, kind of the, the problem that we had is all my friends felt like they won the main event, too. So um, <laughs> our our weekly one two game ended up going to like twenty five fifty. And mm-hmm. all my friends ended up, you know, getting broke. And I kept trying to say, you know, like, we don't need to to be playing this high and this isn't good for the majority of y'all. And, you know, but they wanted to play, you know, they wanted to play big. So uh, it didn't last that long. Yeah. I, I play in with other people. Now I've got two friends from back then that I still talk to quite a bit. Uh, one of them still plays, but um, uh, the other one, he deals more and uh, he's not really playing much anymore, but um yeah, I mean, I still have some friends that are in the game, but most of my friends have moved on to something else. Sure. All right. Thanks, Chris. Yeah. Thanks so much for uh, taking the time to come on the podcast, Chris. It was great catching up a little. And uh, good luck at the World Series, both uh, in terms of having good results, but also now I realize half the goal is just to have fun. So I hope you have fun at the World Series. Well, I'm going to have fun. I can promise you that much. Uh, we got a lot <laughs> planned. Uh, so, you know, we'll have a lot of content coming out, I hope. And I've got a tour starting up and all kinds of good stuff going on. So I'm, I'm going to have fun either way. But thanks Fantastic. for having me on, guys, and uh, talk to you soon. Two men. $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Let's update our betting bankroll, and um, here, here's the glass half full take. Uh, our bets were mostly small, and it won't take that long for me to review them. Uh, my three boxing bets on the Canelo fight went one and two. I had Canelo by KO in rounds five through eight, and he scored a knockdown in the fifth. Seemed like he might get a stoppage for a broken and very bloody nose in the seventh, but uh, it, it didn't happen. The fight went the distance. We lost $100 on that. Also lost 50 on Canelo scoring a knockdown in the first minute of any round. That didn't happen, but we won $110 on there being a knockdown in the first six rounds. So a loss of $40 overall on the fight. You had a three-team USFL money yeah, line lost, parlay. It lost. It lost. It lost. It lost. <laughs> you don't want you don't want me to go into any it details. Lost, it lost. It lost. It lost. Okay. It lost. All right. We need to know. Okay. Fine. It lost. <laughs> it cost us fifty dollars. I'll just mention that and then and we'll move on. Okay. Leg. Zero legs. <laughs> yes. Um, and lastly, our Kentucky Derby bets. Uh, we went with two fills at twelve to one, and he almost pulled it off. Second Is place. That <laughs> no, that's nothing. Close. I know, but it would have been awesome. Oh, oh, yes, I see. Yes, it it, it would have been awesome. But yes, for bankroll wise, it is nothing. Uh, close, uh, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades, as Jesse Ventura used to tell me. Uh, horse racing was not one of the things in which close counts. So, uh, fifty dollars lost on that, and then ten dollars lost on our trifecta box thingy that uh, didn't come all that close. So, all in all, we lost one hundred fifty bucks last week. We're now down by $2,203. We also have 1230 on hold in futures bets, and that leaves us with $6,567 available to bet with this week. And I'm up first, and I want to bet on this Sixers-Celtics game six tonight, but I am 
way too emotionally invested to bet on a side and risk a jinx or try for a reverse jinx or anything. I'm, I'm staying away from all that. I will go with a player prop. I like the over on points for Joel Embiid. He's 30 and a half at FanDuel with an attractive minus 104 on the over. Um, the last three games of this series, I'm going to ignore game two where Embiid was just coming back from the injury and, and look bad and only played 27 minutes. In the three games since then, he had 30 points in 39 minutes in game three, 34 in 46 minutes in the overtime game, and then 33 points in 37 minutes Tuesday night in Boston. As long as this game isn't a blowout, he's getting his 37 to 40 minutes or so. And as long as the refs aren't swallowing the whistles, he's going to get his points just by going to the foul line. A, a, a potential closeout game on the home court, I just I think a big Embiid game is more likely than not. And even when he isn't playing well, he sometimes goes over 30 points just by accident, just by getting the ball a lot and getting fouled a lot. So uh, the bet is over 30 and a half points, $104 to win 100. Okay. Uh, I'm going to jump right back into the USFL parlay waters. <laughs> Why not? Uh... Why not? Give me the Maulers of Pittsburgh, plus 155 money line over the Michigan Panthers. Give me the Houston Gamblers getting four and a half points against the Birmingham Stallions at minus 110. Give me the Generals, minus 245 money line favorites over the Philadelphia, very, the very disappointing Philadelphia Stars. Yeah. No offensive line play this team. Hmm. Uh, plus 585, 50 bucks to win three. We're going we're gonna to do it this week. Okay. If you say so. I say so. All right. Um, I'll do a boxing bet. And... I love this one. Uh, this is a case of me thinking that I know something that the books don't, uh, or maybe more accurately, me, me thinking the books don't know what they're doing. Uh, the opening bout on a Showtime triple header Saturday, 140 pounders, Batir Akhmadov versus Kenneth Sims. It's a competitive fight, but to me, Akhmadov should clearly be favored. Um, his record doesn't look great. He's only 9-2, and two, but both losses were debatable decisions. He's faced better opposition than Sims. I would have assumed Akhmadov was going to be like a minus 200 favorite here, but um, I guess the sportsbooks saw his record and are underrating him because at DraftKings, he's a plus 120 underdog. They're favoring the wrong guy here, I think. So uh, when that happens, you got to go a little bigger than usual. Uh, not a lot bigger. I'm not going to go crazy, but instead of $100 to win 120, let's uh, step it up to 150 to win 180 on Akhmadov to win. And uh, and by the way, it's a two-way market bet. So uh, that means if it's a draw, we get our money back. But uh, 150 to one, win 180 on Akhmadov. All right. Uh, I'm going to head over to the Weather Edge tool over at Roto-Grinders, which mm. is the first thing I check out every day for baseball weather. Uh, it's a Kevin Roth invention. It kind of breaks down you know, a lot of factors uh, of, the, of the forecast, and then they matched it up against games previously played with similar weather factors at the, at the baseball parks. It's, it's a fantastic tool. As a result, I'm taking the under 10.5, which is pretty high to begin with, uh, under 10.5 in the Reds match today. Um, according to Weather Edge, it, it's, it's a negative environment for hitting. Mm -hmm. uh, and so I'm going to, 10.5 seems just a little juicy. And so let's take the under at minus 110, 100 bucks, straight up, done and done. All right. Um, I'm also going with baseball for, uh, for my last bet here. I'm going to do a Thursday afternoon baseball bet. Uh, my MLB best ball team is not doing well, uh, largely due to injuries as I whined about last week, but in part due to a couple of bad draft picks, including Brady Singer, who pitches for the Royals today. Singer stinks. Uh, so uh, even though the Royals are at home and, uh, their opponent, the White Sox are another team that's struggling. 
I feel good about taking the White Sox in the first five innings. It's close to a pick 'em. Uh, White Sox are minus 104 over the first five. If it's tied after five, that's a refund. Uh, so uh, we're going 104 to win 100 based on my disdain for Brady Singer as a fantasy owner. That seems that's a, a much more reasonable you know, contemplation of a bet than what's about to follow. <laughs> uh, I got Nuggets and Sixers, Moneyline Parley. How about that? Both these, I mean, why not? The Nuggets are favored <laughs> to win the championship. Uh-huh. The, 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 the Sixers have been just objectively been a better team against the Celtics. So give me plus 406, both of them, 100 bucks to win $506. Come on. Okay. Uh, I I will refrain from uh, saying anything for fear of being involved sure. in a jinx or a reverse Fair. jinx, but uh, you're allowed to bet on the, the Sixers. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, Nuggets and Sixers together. All right. Um, and that'll do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks, everybody out there for listening. And thanks again to this week's guest, Chris Moneymaker. You can find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and Jeff at Jeff Edelstein and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on Megaphone, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else. And with that, Jeff, uh, it occurs to me now that we're doing a cold open, maybe we can refer to this as the hot close, or maybe you Uh hate that. The hot clothes. It, it, yeah, no, but for today, it's fine. All right. Um, it's, a, it's a work in progress. So for now, I'm calling it the hot clothes. Give me your hot clothes, Jeff. Listen, I just finished watching the most batshit crazy show I've ever seen. It's called Dark. It's on Netflix. It's in German. It's subtitles. It's about time travel, but it's really about fate versus free will. You know, and when you start thinking about fate versus free will, your mind pretty much melts. I mean, listen, I'm no Aristotle. Uh, that's not right. But how do you pronounce that? Aristotoli? Yes, that you got it on the second try. I'm no Aristotoli, <laughs> but come on. If you believe in free will, that means every decision you make is yours and yours alone. And if you believe in fate, that means like your shit's going to happen no matter what, and you have no control over it. But what if you're fated to believe in free will? You know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, like, like what if I think I made this decision to play armchair philosopher on a gambling podcast today based on my own free will, but fate itself has brought me here? It's crazy, man. Wow. I'm not even high. <laughs> I guess really all I'm trying to say... Is that why I would prefer to believe my choices matter? There is something comforting with the idea that a higher power is actually the one forcing me to place three team USFL parlays and screaming, gamble on once a week. Hey, does that count? We're not finished. I gotta finish with that? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Gamble on! Yeah.